we uh we're working on a minimal voice level tonight so everybody cross your fingers and we're gonna hope and pray there's no voice cracks because I know how ruthless each and every one of you are and you might not hear anything else in the message but weeks later down the road people were reminding me hey remember that night on Wednesday when your voice cracked during the message and I'm like yeah I appreciate that encouragement I'm glad that's what you took home that week we're going to cross our fingers and hope that we make our way through the message tonight. Hey, let's find our way back to 2 Timothy chapter 2 again. Go ahead and make your way back to that passage that we've been in for the past few weeks. But then I also need you to locate 2 Corinthians chapter 4 as well because we're going to use it to supplement this third installment of our series we've been in called Vessels. How many of you have gotten some good stuff out of the first two weeks? of this series that we've been in. I know I've enjoyed it over the past couple of weeks, but the Lord has more for us tonight. So nudge somebody beside you and tell them there's more. There's more, there's more, there's more. God has more for us tonight. So 2 Timothy chapter 2, our base passage, starting in verse 19, says, But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are His. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Now I'll flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to start reading in verse 5, and God's Word says, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in on our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. I can remember as a kid stopping at the gas station with my granddad and how getting gas way back then was a lot different than getting gas now. For one, you didn't have to pay before you pumped. You just got what you needed and then you paid for it after you were done. And I can also remember, albeit very, very faintly, looking up on the marquee sign and gas only being 89 cents a gallon. Can y'all imagine what is it right now? I think driving to church today, it was like $3.19 per gallon. $0.89 cents a gallon was all it cost back then. It's almost unimaginable now. But you know, the thing about a lot of gas stations back then is that many of them would have attendees that worked at the pumps. And so as you would pull up to the gas pump, they would walk up to your window and ask how they could help you or what they could do for you. And I could hear my granddad vividly saying, just go ahead and fill her up, which is southern slang for those of y'all that may not understand for I want a full tank of gas. Go ahead and fill her up. And so tonight as we consider this text, 
I want to speak to you from that subject. Fill her up. And so what I need you to do one more time is to turn someone around you and with your heaviest southern accent, tell them, go ahead and fill her up. <laughs> fill her up. <clears throat> it's Wednesday. I'm running on fumes. So I came to worship tonight. I pulled into God's pump and paradise because I need him to fill me up tonight. Remember when we started this series on vessels, I told you that the primary functionality of a vessel is to carry something. It's to be filled. So ships carry goods. Cars carry people, bowls, cups, vases, jars. They carry liquid. I mean, take a look at Victor right here. Remember Victor? This is our illustrative vessel that we've had out with us for the past couple of weeks. Look at how he was designed. He was designed to carry he was designed to be filled. Everything about his form, everything about his shape, even the way his base is set up, is built in such a way for him to hold something. But you know, as I look at us, as I look at you guys, as I look at myself within the context of the gospel and how we are as God's children indwelled by his Holy Spirit, I can't help but see that we've been formed in the same exact way with the same purpose, to be Field to be carriers. I mean, look at the way that God made our bodies. He gave us a mouth so that we could do specifically what with? Proclaim the goodness of his glory. And then he gave us feet. Why? So we could be mobile with his glory. So that everywhere that we went, we could be vessels that carry the good news of his gospel and his glory to the world around us. So what is... What is it exactly that we carry as vessels? What are we to be filled with? Well, to some extent, that depends on what you choose to fill yourself with. And what you choose to fill yourself with depends on the source you choose to fill yourself from. So if we're going to be filled, then the first thing I want you to see tonight is that there has to be a source. So let's look at the source for a second. If you go back and look at verse 6 in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where we were just at. <coughs> Paul says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in on our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So we're shown at the beginning that it's God himself who fills us as his children. What does he fill us with? With the light of the knowledge of his glory in the face of Jesus. So as his vessels, we are to be filled with his glory, and he is the only source by which that happens. And I know you might be thinking, wow, thank you, Trey. That's really good stuff. That's really deep. Hey, I didn't know that. I'm so glad I, I, I took time out of my busy schedule so you could come and, I'm good. I'll just choke on it if I try and put it in my mouth. They're trying to give me cough drops back there. You can't help this situation. It's desperate, but we're going to plow through it. And we're going to throw this mic away after we're done. Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> Only God can fill us. So like I was saying, we're thinking, man, Trey, that's awesome. That's good. I'm, I'm so glad I, I got out of bed from taking my nap because that's what you do when you're in college. You take naps like no other season of life before. And came here tonight just so you could tell me something that I already knew. That's something that was already blatantly obvious to me. <clears throat> but you know, the only thing obvious to me lately is that a large portion of believers have themselves tied in to the wrong sources that are filling them with the wrong stuff. 
And I'll show you what I mean by that. What all I'm about to say comes from recent conversations that I've had with different believers over the past several weeks. So one conversation I was having with a believer, and they were explaining to me how their lives were full of anxiety and stress. They were anxious over everything. They were stressed out to the max. And as we continued to have a conversation with each other, then I began to discover and find out that the primary source that they were plugged into was school. Can you relate? When your primary source that feeds everything in your life that you yourself are feeding off of is that thing, then it fills your life with anxiety and stress. Another conversation I was having with a buddy, he was talking to him about how he was just filled with frustration and anger. That everything here lately about life just frustrating him. And once he got frustrated, he got mad. And he got madder, and he got madder, and he got madder. And the more we began to talk, the more I began to realize that the main source that he was plugged into was work. It can be frustrating. It can be angry. When that's all you ever allow yourself to be fed from. Another conversation I was having with somebody was them explaining to me how they were struggling with this need for validation and affirmation that they constantly felt this need to be validated, that they constantly felt this desire to receive affirmation from the people around them. And the more we talked, the more I began to realize that the primary source of their lives that they were plugged into was social media. Hours spent scrolling. And all it had done is filled them with the need to be validated and to be affirmed by the people around them. Another conversation I was having was somebody who was explaining to me how they had been filled with this fear of missing out. They had a bad case of FOMO. And on top of that was this never-ending seeming cycle of discontentment that was going on in their lives. And as I began to talk to them and understand what they were going through, then I found out the primary source of their life seemed to be relationships. Not just dating relationships, but just relationships with people. That was their primary source. And if there was ever a moment when they felt like they weren't invited to be a part of something, then instantly they became discontent. They became dissatisfied. They became hurt. Their emotions overwhelmed them. And on top of that, guys, listen, here's where I'm going with this. In each and every instance, in the midst of all that they were dealing with, in the midst of all that they were battling, there was no time in their life being given to reading the Word. There was no time in their life being given to spend in prayer. And there was very, very minimal time in their life being given in gospel community with other believers that they needed to surround themselves with. And we sit here and we wonder why we struggle with anxiety. We wonder why we struggle with stress, why we struggle with being frustrated, why we struggle with being angry, why we have this need for validation and affirmation, why we struggle with fear of missing out and being discontent when there is a severe lack of interacting with God's word. When there's a severe lack of interacting and communicating with him in prayer, when we disconnect ourselves from the godly relationships that he has placed within our lives, then that's exactly what's going to happen. So many of you, I guarantee you, if I were to take a poll, so many of you would admit you're being overwhelmed by anxiety, stress, and worry. You're obsessing over self-image. You're never experiencing contentment or fulfillment, feeling like a disappointment, and this is complete worthless failure simply because of the source that you're attached to. Maybe this is just my perceptions. I don't know. But why does it seem as if the overall anthem of believers is one of discouragement and defeat and pessimism? 
I've had so many conversations here lately with believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, redeemed, washed by the blood, saints, children of the King, whose overall theme of their life seems to be discouragement and defeat and this pessimistic outlook. Guys, it's like we're a bunch of Eeyores. Oh, bother. Woe is me. My life's terrible. It stinks. Everything is against me. I have no blessings from God in my life. There's no positiveness coming in. Everything is just doom and gloom and going and working against me, and it's never in my favor. But listen, when we have ourselves secured to the source that we're supposed to be attached to, our lives won't look like that. As his vessels, Jesus doesn't fill us with those things. Hey, let me tell you something else that's obvious. Jesus does not fill you with anxiety. Jesus does not fill you with stress. Jesus does not fill you with anger. Jesus does not flood your life with discontentment or worry. Jesus fills our lives with love, with joy, with peace, with comfort, with faith, with hope, with kindness, with contentment, with confidence, with assurance, with grace, with mercy, with strength with praise. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, Thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. Every day of your life you are led in victorious triumphal procession by the one true King who redeemed your souls. That's what He provides for us when we are attached to His source. And what better life to live in? Listen, guys, God through his grace and through his son Jesus has allowed us each and every day to position ourselves underneath the waterfall of his grace. Why? So we can be filled with him. You've got to disconnect yourself to some of these awful sources that you've attached to. It's not working in your favor. So why do you want to stay attached to it any longer? Get back to your primary source. Get back to being filled with the one who has earned the right to fill your life. So we've seen the source that we're to be filled from, but there's also the substance of what we're filled with. So let's check out the substance for a second. Verse 7, Paul says this, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So as we take into consideration what we are to be filled with as believers, what are the things that go into our lives? The scriptures have a lot to say about this. But there's really three main things that I want to show you that our lives as believers, as vessels for God, ought to be filled with. And there's a lot that goes underneath these three things, more so than we have time to cover with the entirety of this night. But I'm going to try and break them down for you the best that I can within these three specific categories. So the first one is this. We carry the Holy Spirit. The Bible makes it clear that the moment we receive salvation, we receive the Holy Spirit of God. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Then again in Romans 8, 9, it says, You, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. 
Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. So now, as born-again believers, we carry the Holy Spirit of God with us at all times. He never departs from us. He never leaves or forsakes you. And the Bible tells us there's a few things that go along with that. One is that we are to be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18, the latter half of that verse says, but be filled with the Spirit. So not only are we to be filled with the Spirit, we're also to walk by the Spirit. Galatians 5.16 says, but I say walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. But not only are we to be filled, not only are we to walk by the Spirit, we also are to live and keep in step with the Spirit of God. Galatians 5.25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit of God. And when we do those things, ladies and gentlemen, it produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in our lives. The Spirit of God is the one who enables us to live in a way that glorifies Jesus. The only way that you can live as a holy, set-apart vessel is to be filled with, to walk in, to live and keep in step with the Spirit of God at all times. So my challenge to each and every one of us as vessels, as those who are born again, is to live Spirit-filled lives. That's what sets us apart. So we carry the Holy Spirit. So that's part of the substance. But we also carry the gospel. In verse 7, Paul says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. That treasure that he is alluding to is the gospel. And he says we have it in jars of clay. We're the jar. So we have this treasure in jars of clay. We have the treasure of the gospel within us. As followers of Jesus, we are vessels for the gospel. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus speaking to his disciples right before he ascended back into heaven says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses. You will be my vessels to carry the gospel in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth inside each of us. Jesus has implanted the good news of salvation and hope for the world. He calls it in his word a treasure. Don't lose sight of that. Don't lose sight of the reality that God sees the good news of his gospel as a treasure, as something precious, as something to be valued. You know what you do with the treasure? You handle it with the utmost care. And you show it off with the utmost pride. Nobody has a treasure that they want to just keep to themselves without letting somebody see it from time to time. Jesus says, this is my gospel. It's a treasure, and I have filled you with it. But this treasure isn't one that gets buried and is kept secret. This treasure is one that we put on display and gets shared with everyone as his vessels. We carry the treasure of the gospel, and we set it on display with our lives to share with those around us. Listen, the greatest injustice that we can do with this treasure is to never share it. But so many professing believers go the entirety of their lives and do just that. 
they never once share the gospel with anybody. They never once share the treasure that somebody shared with them. And to me, that's the greatest injustice that we can do with the treasure that God has given us is to keep it hoarded up amongst ourselves, to never let anybody else have the opportunity to see how beautiful his message of hope and salvation is. Share it, guys. Jesus didn't fill you with his gospel message as a vessel for you to keep it unto yourself. He filled you with that so that you might take it to other people that he has placed around your life, letting them know how broken you were, but how redeemed that you now are. Letting them know how hopelessly lost and desperate you had become, but now how fulfilled and satisfied you are in him. Go and share. Go brag on the goodness of God. Go brag on his love. Brag on his grace. Brag on his mercy. Brag on his forgiveness and what he has done and the changes and the transformation that he has made in you. Not so people that marvel at us, but so they can marvel at the awesomeness of our God. Paul says the reason why we have this treasure is to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. It's to display him. It's to brag on him. It's to show him off. The Tower of London is one of the world's greatest tourist attractions because it houses the crown jewels of England. Over 23,000 gemstones are contained as a part of the crown jewels. And people travel from all over the world to walk inside and get a look at them. And they have it kind of roped off where you can only get so close. But they are kept behind this bomb-proof glass, which is insane to me. But they set them behind this bomb-proof glass. And anybody who wants to can walk in while they're there and stand there and look at and gaze upon and admire the beauty of the crown jewels of England. Now listen to me. Not one single person goes there to look at the encasement that it's in. Not one pe person travels to the Tower of London and walks in and says, boy, those crown jewels are something, but look at that bomb-proof glass. Look at how impressive that is. Boy, somebody must have windexed that thing this morning because you can't even hardly tell it's there. Nobody does that. They're infatuated with the beauty of the treasure that's inside the glass. Our focus should be the same. To show people the treasure inside. Not trying to get them to focus on the vessel that it came in. You know, Paul, you may not know, you're fixing to know. Paul had a reputation for being a pretty ugly guy. He lived a rough life for the cause of Christ. I mean, the dude was shipwrecked. On a couple of occasions, he was beaten countlessly, whipped, stoned. And because of that, his, his body was kind of disfigured for all that he went through for the glory of God. And I can assure you that there's one thing that Paul didn't want to do. It was draw attention to his vessel because his vessel was ugly and beat up and disfigured and broken. But he had something beautiful inside that he did want people to see. 
And so many of us are so consumed with our self-image and the way we look and the way we project in front of people around us and how we look on a little bitty tiny square image on social media and we're consumed and infatuated with that when we should really be consumed and infatuated with displaying to people the beauty of the treasure that Jesus has placed inside of us. We carry the gospel. God says that's a treasure. So show your treasure off. One other main thing that we carry, that's resurrection life. Look in verse 8, Paul says, We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. So Paul shows these people that even though he faces intense persecution, even though he faces intense hardship, even though he has gone through intense adversity, he carries within himself, just as we do, resurrection life. So let me help you understand why that's such a great and powerful truth. It's because the same power that Raised Jesus from the dead is what carried Paul through his persecution, his hardship, and his adversity. And that same power, that same life, indwells each and every one of us as vessels today. You have resurrection life inside of you that can carry you through your hardship, that can carry you through your difficulty, that can carry you through the adversity that you face in this life. Listen, it means that Jesus has placed within us the power to overcome. That's what resurrection is. You do realize that, right? Resurrection is life overcoming death. So if we have resurrection life within us, then we have within us the power to overcome. So listen, in the name of Jesus, you can overcome addiction. In his name, you can overcome pride. In his name, you can overcome anxiety. In his name, you can overcome depression. In his name, you can drive back the suicidal thoughts that you battle. In his name, you can overcome loneliness that you feel. In his name, you can overcome inadequacy. In his name, you can overcome tragedy when it enters into your life. In his name, you can overcome adversity. Whatever life may hand you, as his vessels, we're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ with resurrection life at work within us. Man, we get to carry around some good stuff. There's a reason why Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it abundant. It's abundant because of all the abundantly good things he fills us with as his vessels. One more thing to make note of. We've seen the source, we've seen the substance. But those things lead to one more thing. And that's the spillover. Why would God choose to fill us in such a way? It's a question that I wrote down on my whiteboard over the past week as I was getting ready for this message with you guys. Why would God choose to fill us in such a way? Why would God allow us to sit underneath the waterfall of his grace? Why would God allow us to be filled with his spirit? to be filled with his gospel, to be filled with his life. A while back, me and some buddies had 
gotten together to go and get something to eat. And when the waitress brought our drinks, she had filled them to the very top. Have y'all ever encountered this problem before? You kind of overfilled the drinks. How, do we have anybody that serves as waiters or waitresses? Have you ever been guilty of doing that before? It's like a little bit too much. And so well, I know how it works. So for most of y'all, when nobody's looking, you overfill it a little bit. So you're like, <laughs> <laughs> we know it happens. It's fine. There's an altar for your confessions later, if that's the case. But when she brought our drinks out, they were filled to the very top. And I don't know how she managed to do it. I mean, she must be like next level. If she was at Cracker Barrel, she'd have like the five stars on her <laughs> apron. But she brought those things to the table and like never spilled a drop. And sat them down and everything. And after she walked off, we're looking at each other like, all right, who's going to make the first move? Like, <laughs> every single one of us, there were three of us. All three of us, when we reached to grab that cup, spilled our drinks. Splashed all over the table. And then on top of that, it kind of got worse for me because I moved it over close to me and some of it had spilled out and we got to talking again and then I forgot about how full it was. So I picked it up to take that first drink. And you know, you think you got a little bit of room. You've got some cushion there before it gets to the top. And it was just like <coughs> all in my lap. Got all over me once again. In Psalm chapter 23, David makes the statement, my cup overflows. <clears throat> God fills us with an overflowing abundance so that what he has placed in us might spill over onto those around us. That the slightest touch of someone on our lives might result in love spilling over on them. God so fills us as his vessels so that the slightest touch of somebody else on our lives might result in God's grace spilling over on them. God so fills us as his vessels that the slightest touch of somebody else on our lives might result in God's forgiveness spilling over onto them. That God's mercy might spill over on them. That God's hope might spill over on them. That God's joy might spill over on them. Guys, that's why it's so important that day in and day out, we go back to God's word. We go back to our time in prayer. We go back to gathering together as believers in worship. Because if it works by design, then each and every day, God fills us to an overflowing abundance so that we can walk around in this world and bump into the people around us and slosh out his goodness and his grace and his mercy and his love and his forgiveness on the people around us. But as that happens, it's now our job to return back to the source so that we can once again be filled with the substance so that we can go back out the next day and spill out some more. It's a never-ending cycle for us to return back to the source, to go back to his word, to go back to his presence and say, okay, God, I did my job as your vessel today. I spilled over your grace and your love and your mercy on those around us. I need you to refill me once again so that I can go back out tomorrow and do the same exact thing. 
And after that day is over with, we come back to him once again, whether it be that night or whether it be the morning before you get your day started. And we bow down before him and say, God, I'm here as your vessel. I'm an instrument of righteousness in your hand. Fill me once again with all of you so that I can go to my classes, so I can go to my dorm, so I can go to my apartment, so I can be around my teammates, so I can walk in the gym, so I can go to the grocery store, so I can go to my family Thanksgiving dinner in a couple of weeks and spill out all of you on everybody that's around me. That's who we're to be as vessels. My prayer tonight is that once again, as we've gathered together, God would fill her up once more. Now, after we leave here tonight, that you would pull up to God's pumping station, so to speak. And as he walks up to your window, say it again. What can I do for you, my child? Fill her up. Fill her up.